0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I want to uh, take a few moments this morning to to talk about uh, the will of God, the will of God. Uh, people are, many people are quite fascinated by this topic, the will of God. What is the will of God for me? What has God got planned for me? And uh, it can it can be a point of absolute fascination, it can also be a point of absolute frustration as well, when one feels one doesn't know and... Uh, When you have to make a big decision, you know, should we be moving to Newark or not? And uh, you don't know what God wants you to do. You think of all sorts of ways that God might be able to communicate this to you. Where should I live? Uh, Who should I marry? Should I take this job or not? Uh, Is it time for us to move house or not? You know, these sorts of burning questions. And I want to begin, maybe I won't finish this morning, you might all have to come back next week, but uh, at least I want to begin, if if not conclude, just talking about this whole area and as always, in my own inimitable way, to dare to maybe correct and fine tune things that may have been... Uh, Taught a little bit askew, but we'll see if the Bible agrees with that. And just to help us in the whole area of the will of God. uh, Colossians chapter 1, beginning, Paul, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God. So he, now his colors right there, doesn't he? I'm an apostle by God's will, by God's wish. This is what God wanted. And he commends the church and it's wonderful how they've been saved and how they are a fruitful church. It's a good church to go to this. And then verse 9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, and look what he prays for them, and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. I wonder what it is that is the priority of your prayers. What would you think the priority of Paul's prayer for a church might be? That it might be uh, blessed or that it might be full or that it might be prosperous or there might be uh, great speaking there or great music there or a great pastoral team there or a great vision. And, and of course all these things are All these things are good, but the thing he prays for, for them, which is just rather unusual, he prays that they will be filled with the knowledge of his will. And one wonders if, uh, one wonders if he prayed that because it was not common. One wonders if he prayed that because it wasn't something that was naturally going to happen. Anything that's naturally going to happen, you don't really need to pray much about, do you? But something that's not going to naturally happen needs to be prayed about. And he prays about this. It's so interesting. In another passage in Ephesians, he prays that the church might understand the great love of Jesus for them, which also suggests that that's not something that just naturally happens. And I'm going to talk about that in a few weeks' time. He prays that they might be filled with the knowledge of his will. He was a man who knew the will of God for him and he prayed that other people would know the will of God for them. So I want to look at, how many have I done? Six, I think. Six uh, principles of the will of God that may help us understand this whole area and uh, may give you cause to think uh, and maybe even think again about this whole, this whole topic. So, what does the Bible have to say about the will of God? First of all, the will of God is not supposed to be mysterious. It's supposed to be plain. It's supposed to be obvious. And most of all, it's supposed to be biblical. Biblical means it comes from the Bible. I want to suggest that in life we have many, many decisions we have to make. Should I move house? Should I get this job? Should I marry this person or not? I guess you should if you've just got six weeks to go. But uh, should I move here? Should I move there? Etc. Some questions that we have. Should I do this? What is God's will about this? And what you can be in real danger of uh, when you ask questions like that is you can, be, you can fall into the trap of seeing signs everywhere and signs that God hath not sent thee but signs that one sees that Lord, who's standing at the bus stop Lord, if I'm supposed to get this promotion I pray that a bus will come round the corner And he just started working out, in the next 15 minutes, Lord, or Lord, if I'm supposed to move house, and you know know I really want to, then I pray that, you know, there will be a dog barking uh, in the yard this afternoon. You say to them afterwards, does a dog normally bark in the yard? Oh, yes, all the time, you know. People (laughs) set up these signs. I remember, and I've told this story many times, and I don't, it is a funny story, but it's not supposed, at the heart of it, there's a broken heart involved. There was a lady in my church in Torquay who was madly in love with someone else in the church, and that person did not love her. And one time, she drove up onto a cliff. It's not good if you're a bit broken hearted to go near a cliff, but she was up on this cliff, and she said, oh God, you know, please, if I'm supposed to marry him, give me a sign. And then as if life could have got worse for her, he happened to drive up and park on the same remote cliff. Now I'll never tell you, he was engaged to someone else. And he didn't fancy her. But you can imagine what happened inside her heart, can't you? Can anyone blame her? Not me. Oh, thank you Jesus, here he is, you know. But she never married him. And in fact, she got so messed up by it, I don't, think, I don't know how much of this story to tell, but I guess it's too late now, isn't it? You won't tell no one, will you? But she got so messed up by it that she began to believe that once these couple had been married, that the, that the new wife was going to die early, so she would take her place. You see, she started to try to rationalize something that just wasn't going to happen. All because she was looking for a sign. Now, the will of God is biblical. When we say what is God's will, what we really mean is what is God's word? What does God's word have to say about this? Now, the truth is that while there are one or two decisions we have to make in life, where am I going to live, who am I going to marry, am I going to move house, You know, etc., etc., What church am I going to go to? You know, things like this. Big, important questions. Yet, the truth is that they only constitute a tiny amount of the whole constituent of the will of God. What I mean by that is 95% of everything you need to know is already written down. So the Bible does not say, thou shalt marry Kimberly. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It says you shall go out with joy, but it doesn't say that you should go out with Kimberley. It doesn't say these things. There's nothing in the, the word Scotland does not appear in the Bible at all. Lots of people seem to be moving there. There's nothing, you know, there aren't magic verses like this that tell you what to do. But there are verses that tell you how to make those decisions. So, for example, you receive the offer of another job. Should you take this job? Well, the Bible doesn't say, Behold, thou shalt work at Marks and Sparks. There's no verse like that that will suddenly pop out of the page one Tuesday morning at you. There's nothing like that. But, but, it's brimming With And one shudders to call it advice because, of course, it is divine commandment. But it's brimming with holy advice that helps you to shape the decision you're going to make. Should I get a job at Marks and Spencer? Some of you who don't like me as the pastor would say amen. But should should I get a job at Marks? Well, okay, uh, I've got this offer. Should I... Take it. Uh, well, is this is this a godly thing to do? Uh, how's this going to affect my family? Is it is it going to involve moving house? Uh, am I being lured by the money of of Marks and Spencer when I'm really perfectly happy here working in Clinton Cards? You know what what's motivating me? What's motivating me? Is this God's blessing, or is this just uh, a the lure of, you know, the love of money, etc., etc., etc. Or have I been praying that God would help me to look after my family better or order my affairs better, and now, now, I'm going to be able to do that. So I see it as a blessing rather than, rather than an enticement. It's an entrustment, not an enticement. Should I marry such and such a person? Is there a verse in the Bible that says, behold, Jeremy is for thee? No, there is no such verse, especially if you are a man. There's no such verse. But as you consider, well, is this person a godly person? God says that I shouldn't be unequally yoked. There's no, you can't break that bit out of the Bible. There it is. You have to walk with those who are in the light. So, so is, this, is this going to work? what's motivating me behind this? Let me tell you this. If you're in a relationship that isn't working, the the signs that it's not working are going to show up pretty early on. And people become so in love that they switch switch off to those bad signs that come pretty early on. So anyway, we'll talk a bit more about this later. but, But just setting the scene that the Bible may not give us exact you know, uh, uh, instructions go this way, go that way. Yet it is brimming, brimming with advice, um, what I'm calling holy advice, that says, yes, but you must make your decisions based upon these principles. The second thing it is, which is similar, if you like, a similar sort of idea, is that by and large, the will of God is not directional. It is moral, by and large. I wanted to imagine that we had a, a prophecy meeting here this morning and we said, okay, at the end of the meeting, uh, people are going to hear what the will of God is for them. And so if people believed that would really happen, people would leave their seats and they would come and stand at the front. Right, at the end of this meeting, god I promise you, God's going to speak individually to every person and, get, and tell them, this is what I want for you. boy, We'd be crowded here. People would say, Lord, yes, I've wanted this all my life. Please tell me the will of God for me, please. But as people came, it could be that what they were thinking, what they're thinking is, God's going to tell me what I'm going to be doing in five years' time and when I'm going to get that break I've been looking for and, and, and how my life's going to go. But in fact, if God came and spoke to us about his will, Again, 95% of the time, the thing he'd want to talk to us about would be our character, not our direction in life. It is the will of God, says First Thessalonians 4.3, that you should be sanctified. And in fact, we ought to read this, don't we? Romans 12 verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we fiddle with the programming of our brain, I want everyone to listen to me. Because this, is, this will be worth coming to hear. The will of God is that we get a download from God into our brain that we get a new operating system inside our heads. Once we have got a new operating system inside our heads that says, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. When we receive that download, when we renew, let me use the Bible language then, renew our minds, you know, don't be conformed, but be transformed. When we understand that God's will is best, God's will involves telling the truth, God's will involves forgiving people, God's will involves being kind, God's will involves being generous with our money and generous with our time and, you know, whatever else, and, and all these sorts of things. Once we've got that downloaded into our head, it's much easier to know what God's will is. When you have to face that, what I call the 5% bit, where you don't know what to do. If you are operating in the realm of the 95%, where you understand that you can't harbor a grudge, you're not supposed to gossip and be, and be cynical. You're supposed to tell the truth. You're supposed to be optimistic. You're supposed to be kind. You're supposed to be loving. You're supposed to be honest. You know, all these sorts of things. Once you've got all that going on in you, it's much easier for you when faced with the question, well, should I go this way or that? It's much easier for you to be able to test which it is. But the problem we sometimes have is we have believers who haven't done that they simply come to God in the same way as some, now forgive me, but they come to God in the same way as someone goes to Blackpool and asks a fortune teller to tell them a bit about, about, about the future. They're not interested in the 95 percent of the will of God. They're only interested in what am I going to do? Where am I going to be? What's going to happen to me as though they were as though they were paying a mystic meg on the seafront in Brighton. Or going through their astrology columns. So we have to be very careful that we don't seek the will of God in the same way that millions of people tomorrow will open up the paper and wonder what's happening with the people under the name of Libra. Or Capricorn or you know whatever. It's God's will that we should be sanctified. If we came and stood around here to say, Lord will you show me your will. You might find the Holy Spirit come to one and say... I've been talking to you about forgiving John. Will you please forgive John? To another one, saying, oh God, will you show me your will? The Holy Spirit will come and say to that person, "It's it's time you actually paid off some of that debt, you know. Oh Lord, no, I wanted you to talk to me about my life in India. Well, the life in India may well be, but, but for now, this is what I'm telling you to do. I remember a parent sent their kid to the room and said, I want you to go and clean your room. So the kid went off, 10 years old. And the kid came back to dad and dad said, did you, did you clean your room? Well, no. Well, just, just go clean your room. So they went off. A few minutes later, they come back. Hey, Dad, let's watch a bit of TV. Yeah, but did you did you clean your room? Well, no. Well, go clean your room. And the truth is that if God came to speak to you, the most likely thing that God will say to you this morning is this. Why didn't you do what I told you to do many, many years ago? Because so many things that God showed to us, they are left undone. Is that right? We have not done them. Either they are... The 5% things or they are most likely the 95% things. Where is where we're just, we know we're not really right with God. It's the will of God that we be sanctified. Number three. Number three. The will of God, and I found this to be a very helpful illustration. I'm not even sure it's mine. I may have stolen it from someone. I can't remember. The will of God is not SatNav, it's compass. What do we mean by that? How many of you have known the blessing of a grumpy and bossy SatNav? Are they marvelous? Turn left now. What are you doing driving down here? You should have gone right at the roundabout. I'm going to program one that does just that. When I first got my sat nav, I was offered um, uh, 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 a free comedy voice in the sat I didn't even know they did these. I'd just be like a robot turn right, you know, but no, you, I could have a comedy voice, and they offered me one of The Simpsons to, to put on it. So I, you know, do, you've gone the wrong way. You know that has to <laughs> I thought, I, I don't know if that's really very good. Impression, but um, uh, and then when you when you reach something, uh, it went yippee! You're on the motorway, you know. And I thought, but it was it was particularly the uh, duh, it was particularly the duh. You've gone the wrong way. That I thought that's the last thing I want to hear if I'm going the wrong way on the M25. I just want to hear these words. Now, just keep calm, but I've got some bad news. What we would like God to do when it comes to the 5%, where we don't really know quite what he's saying, the big decisions in life. What we would like God to be and do, we want God to be a sat Turn left now. So we turn left at the at the roundabout. Go straight on. Oh, this is great! I know what I'm doing. And we want the Holy Spirit to be a bit like that. In the old days, before sat navs, uh, it was um, it used to print out these these road planners. Did you ever do that from the AA? And you, you, you know, you got it here. <laughs> I don't know why. How I didn't kill myself and three other people. Ah, <laughs> the road—it's upside down, and it's the—it's the one from last Tuesday. And, and what am I doing? I'm supposed to be in Swindon. I, I appear to be in Exeter, where we have a thing that says you must turn left here, you must turn right here. I don't think God. It's like that. I don't think in the Bible God is very often like that, occasionally. Much more common is what I'm calling the compass. The difference between a sat-nav and a compass is very simple. A sat-nav tells you exactly what to do and exactly when to do it. But a compass doesn't do that, does it? A compass, now I know it's 2012, but... The, I guess you have, You still remember compasses. You remember those. Um, this says I'm, I'm to go north. And I am going north. And I'm going north at whatever speed I'm, I want to go. And if I go west or east, the compass continues to say, no, no, this way. The compass doesn't shout at me. It doesn't mean that if I've gone this way a little that it's all over. Listen, this is really important stuff today. If I go a little bit in the wrong direction, it doesn't mean that it's all over. But it does normally mean that I have to go further in order to get back on track. On the inside of someone who passionately is following Christ... God will place what I'm going to call today a spiritual compass. We might use another word for it, a passion, a desire, something that gets in you that isn't quite in someone else. For some people, it might be to work among the poor. You don't know how you're going to help the poor You don't know who, what, when. But you know that you're going to help the poor. It's the will of God for you. It's in the 5%. It's not specific, but it burns in you like a passion. One time the prophet Jeremiah, recommendation came to him that he From his own soul, I think, that he should stop prophesying. But he said, I can't do it. The word is in me like a fire. Old King James coming up now. Shut up in my bones. There was a passion in him that he had to do that. It wasn't about who it was going to be for, when it was going to be, where it was going to be. But what was extremely clear and some may have a passion for international mission you don't know when where who but the compass says this way some have a passion to be uh, in education they want to teach they they have understood teaching is not just a job it is a it is a vocation so they go in that direction other people have a of a will of God to move them in the area of of care or in the medical world. Some even politics. But the compass says, this way, this way, this way. It doesn't say, turn left now and if you don't, it's all over. As I used to sometimes think the will of God was. That if I didn't meet a certain person on a certain day in a certain place, that's it. The plan was over. That's when I discovered that God does not have a plan for my life, but plans. And if a sat-nav can get us back on track, the Holy Spirit can do that too. So I want to ask you today, what's your compass saying? Now, if you are not living a clean, upright life, Your compass's voice will not be loud because the voice inside you will be to do with your passions, your desires, what's good for you, how it makes you feel, all those sorts of things. So I don't want to make any pretenses about that, but I want to encourage you with this. That as you get sanctified, as you walk closer to Christ, your compass is going to talk more and more and more clearly to you. And will become much stronger than ever. That's why we have to get a new programming, you see. It's the will of God that we reprogram our conscience. And that way God can speak to us through our programming. Not just through preachers and prophets and odd verses from the Bible. What's your compass saying? Everyone's got one. Everyone's got a compass inside them. you must follow it. If you don't, you'll be pretty miserable. you would be pretty miserable. You've got to go where God, you've got to do what God wants you to do. If you're walking in his presence, you've got to do what he wants you to do. Many young people come to Christ and then they go off to the world and they go back into their old ways and the truth is for many of them they're never happy because God impregnated them they can't get away from it and as they go off the thing, they're going to be happy they're not happy and that's why you find them returning to the Lord a few years later train up a child in the way that he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it can you say amen yeah so you've got a compass Don't worry about someone calling you out today and saying, this is the will of God for you. I'm going to reveal all these things for you. Well, that's marvelous. But actually, God talks to you. Much more than he'll talk to anyone else about you. He's a vested interest in it because it's his plan, not yours. Number four. Oh, we didn't read the scripture. I must. Luke 17:51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. In the old King Jim, I think it says, he set his face like a flint. He had to go to Jerusalem. It didn't matter whether he took this road or this road, but he had to go there. And it's the same for us. God's got a a purpose for your life. Find it. Run with it. Do it. Do it. Number four, not pleasure but purpose. I alluded to this a moment ago. Sometimes sometimes the will of God is not the most fun thing that we can do. Will you say that with me? Sometimes the will of God is not the most fun thing that we can do. I wish someone had taught me that years ago. The example we have here from the scripture, Matthew 26, verse 39, the garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible, Jesus praying, may this cup be taken from me, yet not what I want, but what you want, not as I will, but as you will. The truth is this, that most people believe that if they're happy, they're in the will of God, and if they're unhappy, they're not in the will of God. And that could not be more wrong. A friend of mine, very, very close friend of mine, shared a story with me. I want to share it with you. I've got his permission to say it. But I I, I won't give a name, obviously. But it helped me so much. He was uh, in in a job he didn't like. Now, he's a very devout Christian. But he was in a job that he didn't like. And he was praying that God would get him out of this job, gave him a new job. But he took it very seriously. It wasn't just a whim for him, it was very serious. And the job he didn't like and he became quite depressed, really. And I know through speaking with him, really quite depressed. One day he got a call from an employer who said to him, I want to offer you a job. I want to offer you a job. Will you come and work for me? And my friend was just absolutely overjoyed. Whoa. Praise God. Here we go. And he began to think about, okay, I'm going to do this new job. And he went to have the interview. And as he came out from the interview and he came out from the whatever the procedure was, I don't know the whole story. He was just full of joy. This is it. I'm doing the will of God. God's come through for me. I was in a bad job and now I'm going to get this great job. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? You know, he was happy. And then he found out something about the company he was about to work for. He just did a little bit of background, and he discovered the company that he was going to work for were a terrible company, that they treated their employees terribly, (laughs) uh, and he read some awful stories, and he read one to me, which I won't reveal now, but of an employee treated terribly, so he made a decision, I ain't working for them, I'm going back to my old job, I'm not going to make the move. And he sat with me and he said it was amazing, he said. He said it was so easy my heart to be deceived, actually. Because when I thought I was going to be happy, I thought it was God's will. And when I realized I wasn't going to be happy, I decided it wasn't going to be God's will. And I think every single person in this room and listening to this is guilty of that. That if it's making me happy, it must be right. And if it's making me unhappy, it must be wrong. Well, my marriage is wrong. Why? Well, I'm so unhappy. No, 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 no. Well, I I find sharing my faith difficult. So it mustn't be God's will for me. No, 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 no. Well, I you know, I don't believe in um I find, you know, not sleeping with my girlfriend, you know, difficult. So that part of the Bible is not for me. No, no, no. The will of God is difficult. If the will of God was automatically done, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. If the will of God was automatically done, and if the will of God was so attractive, then Jesus would not instruct us, his disciples, to pray, Lord, let your will be done on earth. If you're going to serve God, you, you're going to suffer a little. Now hopefully you'll find joy in the suffering. Hopefully you will find peace from the presence of God. But radical, radical discipleship. Jesus says, anyone who wants to come after me, what do they have to do? They have to lay down themselves, pick up their cross, follow him. It's a bit more than wearing a cross pick up your cross and follow me. It's, it's actually going to be tough sometimes. Now, I don't want to tell you that. But it is the truth. So if, if at times you've had to pay for being a Christian, you're doing it right. If it's all been free, you haven't done it right yet. Because sometimes we're going to be hated, hated, Sometimes to do the will of God is going to be tough. I wonder when Paul was on the, being tied with ropes and someone was giving him the 40 lashes minus one. I wonder at what point he said to himself, it's so great to be in the will of God. But he was in the will of God. Many of us follow Jesus up until the point where it might get us into trouble and then we we break the connection. Peter said, Lord, I'll follow you even if I have to die for you. But when the moment came when he had to die for Jesus, he decided he'd never, he didn't know anything about him. Go to church, not me. I don't know nothing about it. And when he had to pay for it, he pulled out. Oh, we're all tempted to do this. We've all done this. I've done this. But I want to encourage you, don't mistake being happy or better paid or in a better scenario as necessarily a sign that the will of God is happening in your life. Number five. Number five. The will of God is not fate, but conditional. Here's this Verse in the book of Jeremiah chapter 18, if I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, but if it does evil in my sight and doesn't obey me, then I will reconsider the good I'd intended to do. That we could have picked loads of verses a bit like that. The will of God is not fate. It's not fate. It's about decisions. Making the correct decisions. Decisions. The idea that God's will is being done. The idea that if you're having a bad time, that that's God's will for you. That may not be the case. It's all about decisions. If there's something you need in your life, you should pray for it. You have not because you ask not. If there's something you need in your life, you should pray for it. Rather than say, well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. No, no, that's not. That's not how it works. God requires of us to pray things into being. I've said it many times and others wiser than I have too. If God gives you a great word, if you feel a sense in your heart that God's going to do this, this and this in your life, then get ready for it. If you don't get ready for it, you may never arrive at that place. Many people, please listen to this, many people believe in fate. Then they become Christians and they simply change the language, they say God's will. But really they just, they're just still believing in fate. And there's no such thing as fate. There is no such thing as fate. There is such a thing as the will of God. And the will of God can be seized or missed. So it's not fate. Where you are today is not because of fate. Where you are today is because of decisions that you've made. And we want to make decisions that are in line with the will of God. Last one. We finish. Last one. The will of God is not one day, but two Psalm 139, 16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before any one of them came to be. I'll finish with this. There are folks, when they think about the will of God, they think about a moment coming in the future. It's in the future. One day, I'm going to do this. One time a friend of mine, we were walking in a park. And we sat down on the steps of this park. I was at Bible school at the time. And my friend said to me that, I want to tell you something very, very important to me. I've had a a vision. I had a vision in in this park. Years ago. I was walking through the park and I sat on these steps and it was the steps that we were sat on when she told me. And she said, in this park, I suddenly had a vision, a real, not, not some charismatic, you know, cuckoo story, a real vision. Some people have vision, they just bit, need some glasses, they're just a bit blurred. But she had a real vision. And in the vision, as she sat on the steps, She saw herself preaching to a vast crowd of people. And as she was preaching, she said, in the vision, as she was speaking, each word that she spoke, an arrow came out of her mouth and struck the people in the crowd. And as she told me the story, she was, you know, shaking, moved, trying to keep her chin from, you know, going, from crying. This was big, big news. She said, one day that's going to be fulfilled. Now, to a a measure that's come to pass for her. Now, that's quite a dramatic story, but I think for many people, they have some sort of story that's a little bit like that. One day, I'm going to do this. And the will of God is one day, you know, someday in the future, I'm going to do this. And you ask them when they're 15, well, one day I'm going to do this. And then you ask them when they're 25, well, one day. You get to them at 45, they're a bit overweight now. Well, what's what's the will of God? Well, one day, and they're looking in the future. The will of God is never, never in the Bible a one-day experience. The will of God is today. All the days ordained for me. All of them. All all the days. Not just one day. Not just one special day where I'm going to get to preach to David Cameron. I tell you, by the time I get there, he'll be long gone. By the time I get there, the world would have changed. Do not think of the will of God as a one-day thing. One day this. One day that. One day my son will do this. One day and it may well be that one day one day you may really be in an amazing opportunity but here's what the holy spirit wants to know what we're going to do today because if we don't do certain things today we never get to one day because our lives are not based on upon fate they're based upon a set of decisions that we're going to make that bring us into the center of the will of God. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you. Don't think of the will of God as something, a, a mystery. God keeping secrets from you. He does keep things from us. Don't think of it as being the will of God as being some sort of moral, sorry, some sort of directional bit of information that you need. Think of it as a moral code. Don't think of the will of God as being all the time your life being full of pleasure. Understand that it is about purpose, not pleasure. Don't think about fate, but think about getting ready. Don't think about one day, but think about today, And most of all. Listen to your compass. Where's your compass taking you? Taking you to evangelism? Where's your compass taking you? Taking you into care, love, mercy? Where's your compass? Where's your compass taking you? And may the Holy Spirit this morning activate that compass afresh.